When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. That's such a vibe. Welcome on in to the batting order. Be ye old Bob, as some might call it. I'm LJ LaFira. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing great myself on this Monday night. Uh, surely a much more eventful day for you than me as it was Marathon Monday out uh, in your neck of the woods. Uh, Absolutely cel- celebrating Patriots Day here in Massachusetts. We got to see Zidane Chara run an eight-minute mile and finish the marathon. He yeah. finished the marathon. Finished the marathon, ran an eight about an eight-minute mile. That's impressive for a person of his size. Like it was honestly eight or six foot nine or something that whatever he is. I mean, that's, that's really impressive. It was comical watching him run within like the group, the pack he was in because he ended up getting caught in the middle for some of it. And it was just very interesting to see. Well, LJ and I must ask. So the way uh, I'm assuming pretty much everyone, they, classes don't really exist on marathon monday is that is that um, how it works actually the entire state has the day off it's a state holiday uh, that is amazing and everything's shut down so it's just very i'm sure it was a it was a very fun day. oh yeah i went over to the uh parade route for a little bit to take stuff for so the social media accounts for wls 102.9 fm lp newton in newton's new alternative but anyway I was over there watching the parade a little bit, getting some video for that. And I see across from me a guy sitting in his lawn chair, five twisted tees deep with a few more well in the way. So people are, have, people are taking in the day. LJ, I mean, he wasn't bothering anyone, just chilling in his lawn chair, no. at least in that, in that moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, we have some, some baseball to talk to last time. Baseball? Seriously? Yeah, uh, yeah, believe it or not. Last time baseball podcast. Last time we talked to y'all was Thursday night's live stream, which if you missed, go and check it out. Some fantastic guests we had, including Roy and Donovan from Friars on the Farm and uh Ryan McCarthy from No Credentials Required. We covered a lot of different topics. Go on our YouTube channel, check that out. Uh, for those clips, or if you want to listen to the whole thing, check it out. It's on our podcast feed, so you'll be able to listen to it there. But LJ, um, 
this first story that we're talking about today, I sent to you. Uh, um, as I first story that we're talking about today, now up to bat, who's hot and who's not? Oh, okay. We're doing this first, which definitely <laughs> makes sense. Um, we will be getting to that story that I sent LJ uh, next, but uh, this LJ, I've always wanted, so I just wanted to ask. Um, you know, when when you're doing this, who's hot, who's not? You're more so looking at teams rather than individual performances, correct? Um, I'm more so talking about that. I love an open segment. This is our this is our takes moment. This is free wielding takes. Doesn't necessarily have to be about the sale or fully about the sale. What is on your mind? Who's been hot, Brandon? You know, it's when you're looking through like teams' records in the last ten games. LJ, there is only one team who is eight and two or better, and that's Tampa. Other than that, I see a whole bunch of mid. I see a lot of six and four, a few seven and threes sprinkled in there. I see a whole lot of ho boy. Yeah, I see a whole lot of what. What are we doing here? But I guess a team that I'll uh, say is hot is is Atlanta. Six in a row now, uh, seven of their last ten, and another big series versus San Diego. Remember, they already played San Diego earlier in the season. Uh, I think that was our first or second live stream we did. I think the second live stream because uh, I I was commentating. I was doing a little mock play by play when Eddie Rosario had a walk off single. Yes. Um, it was not, it wasn't mock play by play, Brandon, where it was, was real play. It was real it play, was good by play. play by play. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, but look at LJ Atlanta, you know, is off to a good start, which last year was, was not the case whatsoever. Uh, they just swept the reds and swept the Royals. And while it's not the greatest competition, it's teams that you expect them to beat. Uh, especially after losing three out of four to San Diego. And you could have argued they should have lost that game uh, that I was just talking about. So this is a big series, big, big stretch coming up for Atlanta LJs. They've got three in San Diego. One of them tonight, right after it'll be uh, after we upload this, that game will be in progress. Uh, Then three at home versus Houston. They got four versus the Marlins, and then they go to New York, to Queens, to play the Mets. So really big stretch for them to end this month. And uh, really interested to see what they're doing. Ronald Acuna uh, is the number one player in fantasy baseball right now. He's been putting up tremendous stats. And, uh, yeah, the Braves are a well-oiled machine. That's that's okay. Sorry. I said sometimes against me, but that's okay. Oh, yes, yes, uh, of course. You know, the average 45-point week from him, I'm sure, or something. It It's not always fun, but you're right. This is a big, big opportunity for the Braves here just because, yes, record's great. It's great that they've gotten off to a good start, but record ultimately means, you know, nothing at this point in the year. Very infrequently are we actually going to look at the early season results and say this came back to bite them. Realistically, this is about positioning and figuring out what your team is, who your team is. And so I look less at record and more at quality of performance. And I struggle to find games where they haven't had quality throughout this. We're talking about 
Uh, plus 24 run differential, which I believe is second in the NL and might be second in the entire league. Yes, uh, second, uh, third in the entire league, excuse me. Fourth, I forgot about Tampa. Oh my gosh, Tampa's, I didn't realize it was that bad. Plus 72 runs is insane. But still, that's a top five performance so far. They're going into top teams. I don't care if they go five and five through here. They look good. They keep things convincing. That's going to do really well for them going throughout the rest of the stretch of this season. As for my hot team here, let's go with the Cubbies. Chicago Cubs, seven and three in their last 10, gets them to an eight and six record to start things off here. And overall, it's been, I feel like it's been a convincing performance towards the overall competence of their team. Obviously, you've got the, you know, kind of resurgence of a guy here in Marcus Stroman, who has really, you know, been lights out to start the year for the most part and could be a huge, huge piece, everything that they wanted and more 18 innings, a one ERA with 20 strikeouts to start the year. If he can continue a fraction of that pace, he is going to serve this team very, very well. But more so, it's a matter of all of these free agents that they brought in this summer or this winter, I should say, Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger, Trey Mancini, all these guys adding in, they're clearly showing that they've put together a roster that's going to be able to compete in a very up and down and all constantly wild NL Central to the point where they honestly, yeah, it's, yes, it's only a couple of weeks in, kind of have me convinced on the division. Wow. We're not convinced that they're they're going to win it, but they're convinced that they're in it. Yeah. I didn't think I'd be saying that two weeks ago. Certainly. And how about Cody Bellinger, LJ, with the homer yesterday versus the Dodgers? Uh, you know, he's a very polarizing player. And is between him and Javier Baez, I'm not sure who's who has a worse approach at the plate. But, um, yeah, big home run in L.A. for him. And, LJ, I want to say it's three straight series wins for the Cubs now, which quite impressive. I believe it is, yes. Well, LJ, who – so the Cubs are hot for you. Uh, would you – do you want me to say who's not, or would you rather – Um, You are welcome to say who's not, but I've got mine pretty locked LJ, up. LJ, I'm going with a player for okay. who's not hot. Uh, Alec Manoa is not doing good right now. Um, Alec Manoa is an Alec Manoa. Uh, um Just now. Here is – how he ranks this was this is a tweet from at yankee w r l d on twitter this is from yesterday alec manoa's ranks among 76 qualified starters okay fangraphs war he has negative 0.3 he that puts him 74th out of 76 era 6.98 puts him 72nd out of 76. FIP, 7.04, 73rd out of 76. Walk percentage, a baffling 15.5% walk percentage, LJ. Those are like Dylan Cease numbers. <laughs> uh, second last, 75th out of 76. So, more, LJ, if more, he's more control issues than a uh, high school girlfriend. <laughs> And then strikeout percentage, 
16.5%. That puts him 68th out of 76 qualified starters. Uh, LJ, he does he doesn't have that dog in him to say the least. No, there's not a lot. There's there's not a lot of the woofing. Honestly, there's no woofing. Okay. And it's not much better as Kevin Gaussman tonight um, gave up seven runs in the first inning. So Blue Jays pitching staff, not, not, no hot, not hot right now. Not hot. Let's talk about another team real quick. That's not hot. The Oakland athletics. This is a story that we probably could have like was on the back burner for us trying to fit into this show. And I would have loved to talk about it, but not only have they started off the season with an abysmal record here, 13 and three, They've lost four straight and one one of their last nine. I'm sorry, you said 13 and three, LJ. Them they're they're on fire. 13. My bad, my bad, my bad. Did <laughs> I actually say 13 and three? Oh my yeah, god. You, you scared me there. I was like, whoa, when did the A's uh James James Caprillion? I knew he was good when he was in the Yankee system, but <laughs> but honestly, it's not the performance because we knew this team was going to be bad. It's everything else surrounding this team. Brandon, they got out attended by 11 AAA teams last weekend. 11 different AAA teams won during one game the last weekend. Have you seen the other two stories regarding Oakland, though, what they're planning on doing this week? Is it I, – I didn't want to bring it up because I wasn't sure it was confirmed. Is this regarding the, the rumor I heard about a uh, anti-strike? Yes, the anti-strike is one of them, but I don't know if you've heard what's been going on with one of their with their um, away team. I think it's their radio broadcast room. Exactly what's Tell going us. on? Um, there is possums that have taken over their away team broadcast room. One of them, and they because of that, they just have the broadcasters go somewhere else now they they have not gotten the people to take care of the actual animals that are running around in their press hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. so you're are you meaning to tell me that actually you know i'm going to go with a different take here this is smart by the oakland athletics because we have seen plenty of times throughout human history where man has tried to go to war with nature Take, for example, the Great Emu War in Australia. Or, oh, shoot, what was the one in China with the birds? Brandon. Um, I'm blanking. It's okay, but you know what it was. They were causing issues with the crops. They tried to kill the birds, ended up killing all the crops. It was a hot mess. The Emu War got lost by Australia, too. The A's, I can't decide whether this is just a lack of caring or a specific strategy on their part because odds are history isn't on their side they'll probably lose this war with the possums the possums have taken this as their cap this away broadcast room as their capital and you're not going to take this capital you're trying to storm boss possum keeve and it's just not going to happen you're not taking it so they might, might as well better off not fighting i guess and to make things worse, according to this USA Today article I'm reading right now, so the possums living inside the wall of the visiting TV booth, and apparently it has been there since May 2022. Um, so about a year, if this article is correct. So 
between that and then what LJ was talking about, the fans wanting to do an anti-strike where they all show up to prove that they're not the issue. Um, yeah, not good. And then you combine that with a three and thirteen record, or big, big, big trouble. <laughs> now up. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's, it's just – it's a tough spot because they're 100% right, these fans, too. I guarantee you they sell out whatever game they decide to do this anti-strike at. They're going to sell out, and they're going to be loud and rowdy because, overall, we have seen generations of teams in Oakland. We have also seen a lot of teams in Oakland that weren't good. And ultimately, the other side of the bridge – is the more you know affluent side, and it makes more sense to have a franchise over there, hence the Warriors moving. But look at the Warriors as the perfect example. Before they moved, people were showing up in droves for those games. Every single one of those games was full, and it was a rowdy crowd. I genuinely do think that Oakland is a good spot for a, base, a baseball team or any sports team, but you have to actually be committed, and you have to put together a good culture there, a winning culture, or else they're not going to show up. That's well, the same issue that's befell every single franchise there. Also, you, you you've just got to move out of this stadium. You cannot. It, there's there's no draw, there's no drawing ability with with what's going on there right now. No. All right. Well, on that note, speaking speaking of drawing ability, let's talk about the people who draw others into the stadiums here. Now up to bat, the Pittsburgh Pirates are having a massive work worker issue potentially leading to a strike as soon as this Thursday. The Pirates are officially, I guess, ushering in a new Pittsburgh workforce for their ticket takers, ushers, and other part-time workers. Brandon, would you like to elaborate? Absolutely, LJ. A story broke today from CBS News Pittsburgh. And here's what it says. Stadium ushers, ticket takers, and ticket sellers at PNC Park have announced they are now officially on strike, LJ. The Pittsburgh Stadium Independent Employees Union announced on Sunday the Pirates' latest contract offer was rejected and that a strike vote was accepted. This union represents ushers, ticket takers, and ticket sellers The union says that workers will pick it outside of the Pirates' next home game on Thursday when the team takes on the Cincinnati Reds. And to provide a little bit more context in here in terms of numbers, as far as ushers go is really the best place or the place that everybody's comparing it. The union's claim is the average pay across the country for somebody in that level and especially in major league baseball is around $13.80. The Pirates offered 12.40. That is an increase of I believe $3 an hour okay. from where, where it was. Now keep in mind according this is all according to the uh, union president here, Mike Kelly. It was $9 an hour in 2005. It's 9.35. Oh. Almost two decades have passed with very little to go on. And so ultimately, you know, you know, most strike situations, I'm going to want to, you know, side evenly here and not take sides. But I can 100% see where these ushers are coming from on two fronts. The first being the lack of increases 
to salaries. And again, maybe there's been other things out there that we don't necessarily know the full picture on, but if salary has really been so stagnant for so long, I can understand them wanting to get their money's worth while they can at this point, because you kind of, you know, you need it. The second thing here is let's talk about the Pittsburgh pirates. The Pittsburgh pirates are a franchise that consistently acts like they're strapped for cash. And yet always seems to have the best ballpark experience. Everybody loves going there and you don't really necessarily see that place like empty, empty. Like they might not be the best selling team, but it's a solid chunk that's in there every time. And that's with usually bad teams because they're unwilling to actually pay for a roster. So if you're not willing to pay to have good players on your team and you're going to keep losing, what's bringing people back to the park? The great fan experience. And who builds that fan experience? Your ticket takers, your ushers, your ticket sellers. Everyone who's involved with these game day operations are what's creating the Pirates into being a fun night out and a fun thing to go do. And so if you're without that, then you're really nothing if you're the Pirates. And so for them to be setting this group below market value honestly feels a little bit, you know, ridiculous compared to how much they rely on them more than other teams in the league. And not only that, but I just did a very quick search online just to see, you know, what is the owner of the Pirates? What's his net worth? You would think, Elder, you would think that for a team that does not spend any money, that he would have to be um, the, quote, I hate using this word, but the poorest owner in the MLB in terms of net worth. Obviously, none of them are poor. They make more money than most of us could dream about or comprehend. Um, LJ, Bob Nutting has a higher net worth than the Mariners owner, the Rays owner, the Rockies, the Brewers, the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, and the Reds. There is, was that, seven names that I just listed off there? Seattle is a team that I picked to go to the World Series this year and has spent money the last few years to build this up. Meanwhile, the Pirates are employing Rich Hill and whoever else is is on this team. And I know that they've started off like, okay, but LJ, a payroll. Right. Why are you disrespecting Rich Hill though? That's a weird spot to just take. Not Rich Hill, not Rich Hill. Um, I feel personally offended by that actually. Okay. Not Rich Hill. He's a 43 year old goat, but there's just the, the money just doesn't make sense. $75 million. It doesn't add up. Does not, does not add up. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, best of luck to the ushers and ticket takers as, you know, obviously these these owners have enough money to, to invest it in their team to try to create a good team. But they would rather sit there and just kind of be okay with not spending a lot of money. So then when they go to sell the team, they make even more on top of what they'd already make. It's just a joke. And everyone it's, knows how I feel about this. So I don't want, I don't want to go on for too it's long. It's just aggravating to watch it because I look at it the same as you do. And I see a situation where there are certain teams and maybe granted there are teams that spend less than others, but they're also the ones going out there and still keeping things consistent. If they're not spending 
in certain places because they don't have the money, they're you know gonna find every way that they can spend money to work around it. Teams like them, teams like the athletics, these teams that actively campaigned against giving minor league players a living wage because they could not afford it. These teams that actively went out and cut down the size of the minor leagues, cut down the reach of professional baseball in America because they did not want to pay for them are the same type of people who aren't willing to pay your game day staff. The ones you honestly, especially a team like this again, the pirates rely on their game day staff more than anyone else in the league in order to create a valuable product. The fact that you just, you know, throw that all away is really quite disappointing. But speaking of throwing things all away, as I'm just becoming the king of transitions tonight on an absolute roll, Brandon, let's talk about Clay Holmes' career. Well, LJ, I can tell you one thing. Um, LJ, or actually, I'll have you tell me. What team did the Yankees acquire Clay Holmes from? I'm going to be honest with you, Brandon. We were like three minutes late getting you into the studio. That was mostly because I was sitting here trying to title this episode and do something punny about both the Pirates and Clay Holmes falling apart. I couldn't quite figure it out other than what we ended up with here, which, as most of you know, Pirates, Clay Holmes, Crumble. But I'll live with it. Yeah, LJ, Clay Holmes. You probably shouldn't have to live with it, though. Okay, the Clay Holmes era for the Yankees is – it's not been good this year, LJ. And to be Brandon, quite tell frank, us how you really feel. feel it. Don't hold back. I can tell you're holding it back. I uh, just it. let me, you know, let me let him cook. Let him cook. Wax poetic here. No, I'm okay. I'm not going on for that long. Um, look, I mean, Clay Holmes comes in first appearance of the year. Um, it was a tie game going into the top of the ninth. He blew it, and we lost. That was his. That was his first appearance. It was game two for the Yankees. Okay, that's fine. Comes and he pitches four straight outings um, after that, or really five straight outings where he looked really good. He got four saves in that time. And then um, the other night, uh, Friday night against Minnesota, he absolutely collapsed out there on the mound. Um, Nestor goes a strong seven innings. The only two runs he gives up are on two solo home runs. Um, and they bring Clay Holmes in for the eighth inning. You know, the Yankees, uh, at, which I like, they say, hey, let's use our best reliever in the highest leverage situation. Okay. I am so fine with that philosophy. I would manage like that personally. I'll say you, don't, in, you don't believe in the closer. so they, they bring in Clay Holmes in the eighth inning. And, uh, yeah, you know, falls apart, two hits, two runs, a walk, blows the save, takes the loss, and the Yankees lose 4-3 to three in a, what should have been a very winnable game against Minnesota. Going back to last year, I think the stat was since June uh, of last year, Holmes has something like a 6 ERA. Um, which is not good. I don't like reliever ERA too much, but that does seem like a fairly good sample size for me. Um, And yeah, I don't know where we go from here because obviously you can't, I I don't know if he is the guy and I don't really know why 
we just kind of it, it was it got to a point last year, LJ, where the Yankees didn't necessarily have a closer because Chapman was falling apart after he started the year really good. And then by mid-May, June, I want to say it was really bad. Holmes steps in as our closer. Um, but that was just kind of like just because he was the next best guy up. Loisigo was coming back from injury and he struggled to start the year. So it was like, all right, yeah, Clay Holmes is the closer. And remember, this is LJ, a man who had never closed, who had never had a save in his MLB career um, up until 2022. And now I don't know if he's where we should go. And for those asking, well, you know, what should the Yankees do? Well, let's not forget that in the, what is going to be an albatross of a trade by the time everything is all settled, but the Frankie Montas deal to the Yankees, we did get Lou Trevino in that deal who pitched very well for us last year. He'll be coming off BIL, and he certainly has closer experience. Uh, he could certainly get some. Yes, LJ. It's 20 runs in his last 31 innings. Oof. Okay, yeah. That is, so there you go. You see how bad it actually has been. Um, Lou Trevino, like I said, that's a guy who has had uh, experience as a closer before for Oakland. Um, he could certainly get some run. There, Jonathan Lawizaga could certainly get some run. And in terms of what pitchers should be out there for the biggest leverage at bats of the game, I don't think it should be Clay Holmes anymore. I'm fine with him being, you know, the second in command guy, but I think it's time, especially 20 runs in the last 31 innings, like LJ said. I think it's time that the Yankees move in a different direction. Just try it out. Obviously, Clay Holmes, at some point, again, and the Yankees haven't said that they're going to strip him of the closer job or anything. At some point, he will be uh, facing batters in a high-leverage situation. We've seen him have some success in the past. But in general, I don't think that he should be the guy uh, and anymore, at least at this point. Again, it's a situation I think you know you need to understand with closers, it's one thing to just blow saves. Like, that's aggravating, and it's really tough to lose that way. But it's worse when you do it in a very convincing fashion. When you lose in a convincing fashion, it can be – or, excuse me, like, you know what I mean. Like, when you lose and you very clearly lost the game, that's a massive morale drop, especially when you're supposed to be one of the best players out there. You go out there for a ninth inning with a bad closer – or closer that's just going to fall apart. It's like watching a car crash that you can't turn away from. Although, I mean, I think, you know, IKF or an Aaron Hicks or somebody could probably be just as good defensively if they did turn away from the car crash and look out towards the outfield. But at the end of the day, you know, it's just such a demoralizer that it's really hard to continue to get any footing going forward. But to wrap up our show here, we have a major extension here. Pablo Lopez gets a three-year contract at, I believe, $74 million. Brandon, is Pablo Lopez a confirmed ace now? I think so. Um, so the contract he signed, it is a four-year, $73.5 million extension, buying out his last year of arbitration and his first and what would be his first three uh, years as 
a free agent. Um, and look, obviously the centerpiece or one of the centerpieces in that trade where they sent Luis uh, Arias to the Marlins, uh, twins needed pitching help. They thought that hitting wise, they had everything pretty solidified. So they were willing to trade a hitter that is the quality of Luis Arias uh, to get Pablo Lopez and LJ Pablo Lopez so far this year has certainly everything indicates that he is worth this amount of money Four games, 26 innings, 1.73 ERA and 33 strikeouts has been really good was a guy that I really wanted the Yankees to try to get last year. And of course that ends up being that trade rumor Glaber Torres for Pablo Lopez, which never ended up going through, but you know, getting this contract, I think, is a good move for the Twins, especially because if Lopez balls out these next four years, he's still a free agent after his year 30 or age 31 season. And who's saying that another team's not going to come in and offer him maybe a contract in the nine digit range, you know, the hundred million dollar range, uh, especially if he pitches as well as he has. Um, really so far in his career, he's never really had a season that you can look at and say, you know, it was, it was pretty rough. Uh, maybe one of his first two years, but since then he's been a very reliable starter who I, in my opinion, uh, I think any team would love to have him and I would lock him in as the ACE of this twin staff. Yeah. Again, that sophomore slump was not convincing, but you're talking about a 23 year old at the same time here. And you look past that, you know, you're talking about a guy who's going to be a consistently a three ERA guy, probably has more left in the tank. I mean, if he's able to put together a fraction of what he's put together to start the season for the rest of it. You could be talking about a guy who's sub three this year. And at 25 million, I'm 100% fine making this guy the ace and one of the spearheads of the franchise here because you know he's good for it. You know he's good for the innings. You know he's good for, again, quality performances is a massive, massive thing to be looking for out of a, an ace. Another thing that I really do like is what this does for the rest of the rotation as well because not only do you give yourself a little bit of form by locking this guy in for another three years, but in my eyes, if you're trying to compete and you're trying to contend for a potential World Series in the next couple of years as you you know hopefully start to get hits out of an Edward Edward Julian you've got you know Byron Buxton Correa here you get all those guys healthy you're talking about a really solid solid lineup that's got a real good chance in the next couple of years you need a one and a two and what have you just done you've basically con- confirmed that at least for the next four seasons you're gonna have a number one and a number two that are really could very well be interchangeable from season to season as I don't see Joe Ryan slowing down anytime soon. I am very high on Joe Ryan as a pitcher and as a prospect and being able to have both of these guys partnered together in this rotation is going to be massive for how they build the rest of the team. Because really, how do you, how many teams do you see not going out and searching for a number one starter or a number two starter when they go into their contending window. That's one thing that most teams do not have 
locked up when they come in to really try for something is those two top spots in the rotation. And I feel like they've got those now. You don't trade away a guy of Arias's pedigree. Like that's a darn good hitter. You don't trade that away unless you're getting this. And this is infinitely more valuable than he was being able to have one of the most important portions of a lineup locked up already. Uh, yeah, very well said. And I really don't have much more to add other than, you know, Joe Ryan, uh, LJ is absolutely right. This guy for Stud. for for a 27-game starter last year, the, the stats he put up, I mean, how underrated is he, LJ? I'm glad we're bringing attention to his name. I don't know what, how much more you could really ask out of a guy uh, that's his age. And stuff. I think he, he, he was their opening day starter last year also. He for was. Minnesota. Um, so. And we kind of were like, what on earth are they doing? And he earned every second of it. Really what they did to him, as far as I'm concerned, is kind of unfair because you sent a guy in with 26 career innings and you effectively made him the ace of your team last year. Granted, he's an older pitcher should have that experience and Pablo Lopez and Joe Ryan are about the same age too, which is good for their in, in them in terms of, you know, peaking around at the same time and being as efficient as possible. But still, this is a guy with not a lot of experience that you really threw into the deep end, making him the leader of this rotation. That shouldn't have been something that was put on him. And that's something they were able to take off his plate this year too. But if that's okay, Brandon, I think it's time to wrap up here today. We, of course, will be back on Wednesday with our next show before a live on Thursday night. Brandon, anything else to add? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, big injury roundup on Wednesday, of course. Um, and I think that that's about it. Are, are we sure it's it? Because it sounds like some breaking news might be coming through. No, it, it, it seems like one of my friends insists on calling me right now. So I'll have to uh, give him a ring back in one second. You'll have to circle back to him. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to end things here. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube, the batting order beat, or follow us on our socials at the Bob Belly Up. And we'll see you.